Hey, Quinn. Hey, Lindsay. How's it going, man? Pretty good. I mean, I'm I'm bored, but I'd rather be bored than, I don't know, sick or dead. Same. Um, so for those of you who have not ever tuned into the show, this is Viral, which is a public health podcast. We like to talk about history uh, and how it connects to current events, but we also really just want people to understand the brave nerdy heroes um, behind the scenes making public health work. And yeah. there is no other time than the present to really let that light shine. I know. I. It's really weird. Oh, and by the way, my name is Quinn. And I am and Lindsay. Public health practitioner, um, science communicator, stay-at-home dad, and all-around good-time fun person He's who likes a... to go from one room of my house to the other room. Ooh, traveler. I Intrepid am a traveler. traveler. I am a world traveler. <laughs> uh, I am Lindsay Grove. Dr. Lindsey Grove. Um, I am also a public health practitioner, science communicator, uh, lover of cats, and um, I am also faculty at uh, the University of South Florida, St. Petersburg, which is now completely online. Shout out to my wonderful students who, you know, at least get to see my face once a week on my virtual office chat, which we talk about. You know, now we really just talk about the virus because. We don't really have, they don't really have any questions about assignments right now, so. So how does virtual office chat work? Do you, what do you do? Do you just oh. hang out? I mean, uh, is it like, yeah. do you actually see them more than in-person office hours? You want to, you want a feel good story right now? Please. I got to feel good. I got a feel good story for you about my office hours. So I, so basically how it works is we use Canvas, which is a, you know, learning management system. And it has Blackboard Collaborate, which is essentially just like, it's like Skype. I mean, but so anybody can join. And what I do is I have office hours for one class, like, you know, on Monday nights from six to eight. And then I have office hours for another class. And these are essentially during the times that we would have had regular class. And students can just sort of like pop in whenever they want. If, if they want, it's not required that they come to class quote unquote class or office hours. Um, and we just chat and I really didn't think my students would come and <laughs> come and see me. <laughs> but every Monday night, my students from my public health policy class, they come like like four to eight of them come and just sit with me for two hours, Quinn. Oh, and we just talk and it's so nice. nice and it is nice. And so like we just chat like We've been talking about our favorite podcasts, about like what Netflix shows we've been watching. Um, we talk about, we actually talk about public health policy because right now is such a salient time to talk about, you know, like how public health policy could have, you know, hurt or improved uh, the current um, pandemic. So, and so the last, the last time that we, we talked was about three weeks ago and we were in person then. Yeah, now we're we're Skyping. Which it. seems like so taboo. I know. Now, but that was before the statewide and and national and local stay at home orders or safer at home. It's safer at home. Stay at home sounds really scary. 
um, were, were dropped and we really took social distancing to the next level. We leveled up. That is, that is for sure. Yeah. Um, and we so, were one of the last states and we should mention we're in Florida. Uh, we were one of the last states to really, um, do this. Yes. And I think are, are there not still states though, that like are sort well, I of know not... they're having issues in Louisiana. They have mm -hmm. a lot of cases there. And it's starting to reach rural areas, which is a problem because they often don't have the best access to healthcare. Yep. And may um, then have more comorbidities, which is obviously a significant risk factor for COVID-19. So I have some data for you. Um, in Louisiana, um, African-Americans make up 32% of the state uh, total state population, but they account for over 70% of COVID-19 deaths. And yeah, I wish I could say I'm surprised. Yeah, me not. too. Um, I'm a little. Because whenever situations mm. like this happen, it people like to say a virus doesn't see color or um, it hits everyone equally, but it doesn't. It, it does always not. Is, is more um, prevalent and harder to, uh, I don't know. It's it's always harder for marginalized communities of for course. a variety of reasons. Access right. to care, um, income. The social determinants of health, baby. Environmental health and air quality, water quality. I mean, all of these things work together. And this is what happens. And this is why it was so yeah. enraging to see um, certain, you know, factions of society, including up at the top levels of government, say, like, we should just let this ride out. And, you know, we're going to lose some people, but we'll be okay. And then we can get our economy back, back going. Yeah. And it's like, well, you have, you can say that because it's likely you're not going to be the one killed by this. Right. Yeah. The, 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 uh, we that you're talking about is not we as in the entire United States. It's you as in folks who have the, privilege and resources to stay at home and, you know, have access to healthcare if something bad does happen to you. So, yeah, the last time we talked, um, wearing a mask was not a, a recommendation because, uh, you know, we were trying to conserve masks just for healthcare personnel and yeah. we didn't want people to be using, um, personal protective equipment or PPE unless, they really needed to. But then the CDC came out with the recommendation that everyone wear a mask if you're going out in public, if you have to go out in public with the assumption that you have the virus and you want to protect others from being exposed to your your breath or possible cough or sneeze or anything that you might um, breathe on or touch. And that, I think, is a really significant development that happened yeah. super fast. Yeah, it did. I and. I, I felt like there was, I mean, when that came out, there was mass sort of confusion around, like, at least, you know, from what I was seeing with researchers, you know, in public health and epidemiology, there was like, whoa, uh, we've been communicating this, like, exact opposite message to people. In fact, I myself was also communicating that message to people. And oh, yeah. then for to have it to have, like, be completely reversed, I mean, I... I honestly, it took me a minute to sort of be like, whoa, 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 like, where is the evidence here to show that 
you know, like, what's the logical reasoning behind this? Like, what's the science behind this? Like, I really want to be able to understand that myself before trying to communicate that with other people, because I've been saying something completely different based on what the medical community has been saying. So that's a, that's a huge reversal. I mean, and even for say me, that it's not like everyone said you should, if you don't need like a, an N95 mask, don't right. use one, use something like cloth that um, will stop a lot of particles from getting out, but it's not going to stop everything. Um, but those right. like really high quality masks should be reserved for people like emergency room doctors and nurses um, and, and other healthcare personnel that are in contact with people who have the virus or have known tested positive with the virus. Right. right. And I, I mean, of course, like there's multiple reasons for, you know, promoting the masks, right? Like one of the reasons is, you know, we know that there are people who are either pre-symptomatic or asymptomatic, meaning that they haven't started showing symptoms yet, or they haven't shown any symptoms at all, but they're still contagious. And so well, yeah, the, uh, wearing uh, a mask- Georgia- Georgia's governor just just, just found out that people can be asymptomatic. Well, that's sure. He just found out. Quote unquote, just found out. Just found out because maybe he is still working off of a flip phone. I don't know, but um, maybe he also just figured out how to attach an email or, you know, a, a document to an email too. I don't know, but I really question that myself. Uh, you know, the other thing too is like, I, and and this is obviously anecdotal, but I mean, I have seen people wear surgical masks and N95s just casually in public, and we want to make sure that those PPEs are going to medical professionals because, I mean, I, I worry, I really do worry that people are still hoarding that stuff. Um, and, you know, we're having huge shortages in PPEs and, you know, everything else that's needed to not only protect our healthcare workers, but you know, also take care of folks who are um, in our ICUs. So, so there, I mean, it, it, it definitely is twofold. I mean, now, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting on our back porch and I'm looking at our back door. We have a little, uh, we put up like a little hanger that has like multiple cloth masks, just like you would put up like to remind yourself to like bring, you know, your reusable grocery totes with you. Yeah. Like we now have something like that for our masks so we remind like that's the world that we're living in right now oh yeah and we see people who are profiting off of this off of you know altruistic type intentions and selling products that um you know i know are designed like designer type fancy masks oh you mean like um kim kardashian selling um emergency protection kits for 60 dollars a pop Oh, God. Well, that gets me on to another topic that I think you might have feelings about. What do you think about the rise of COVID-related conspiracy theories? I have a lot of, I have a lot of feelings, Quinn, as, as I'm sure you're aware. I have been seeing so many crazy conspiracy theories on social media in regards to COVID-19. Uh, first and foremost is that 5G is the cause and or the reason that COVID is spreading. And I would just like to point out, well, first of all, it's ludicrous (laughs) just because, and I'm not talking about the, you know, esteemed rapper. Um, I, okay. 
let's talk about the difference between um, droplets and particles and like radio waves. I mean, I am not, I'm not a physicist. I am a lowly public health practitioner, but, and I'm not kidding you, the World Health Organization put out a graphic that explains how 5G could not, like, is not physically capable of spreading the disease. This is a unfounded conspiracy theory, and it makes me so angry because it, A, it makes no sense, and B, you know, I, it, it, it's not educating people about the real ways of transmission, which is d- dangerous in and of itself. And yeah. So so there's what about that that, um, that Bill Gates was planning oh. coronavirus um, on behalf of pharmaceutical companies in order to make money. That's another one. Yeah, that's a hey, listen, Bill America Gates is loves not... conspiracy theories. <laughs> They do. And like people really love to hate on Bill Gates. And I'm not saying that Bill Gates is like a great like we should just like all, you know, absolutely love him because he's a complicated person. Um, And uh, I just feel like, okay, first of all, COVID was not an act of bioterrorism from China or the U.S. or Bill Gates. Um, So, yeah, China has a conspiracy theory that it was pushed by the United States in order. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, and the this has been disproven. I just you know, want to, to undermine that. China's economy. Yeah, because you know somehow all of our economies whoops. aren't connected. Yeah, mm, that whoops. Uh, I mean, it. Here's the thing. This is what I truly believe about you know pandemics like this. Bioterrorism is usually the last sort of thing that something like this could be caused by because of human hubris. Like, I, you know, it doesn't, it, it just. Oh, we like to think we, that, oh, we must have been behind this. No, I mean, our we're behind everything. might have been, but, you know. We um, definitely made it worse. Yeah, we've absolutely made it worse. So, oh boy. Um, oh, I've also seen um, some videos of people uh saying that um they went in for actually it's just one person and again like i would just like to reiterate like if there is one person that just puts up a video on youtube and is also promoting their own channel on youtube or trying to get you to buy something but they say that this is happening as a trend it's probably not it is probably just a way to promote themselves. But anyway, this particular Alex Jones on InfoWars has uh, been selling things and talking about how this toothbrush will, you know, kill coronavirus. And the the FDA, I think, ordered him to stop. But it's not like he he'll just move on to the next product. Sure. He's a He's a grifter. Oh, he's a one. I mean, there's so I mean, there's so many grifters out there that are looking to take advantage of this. But so this person was basically saying, I went in and I had a few of the symptoms of COVID, but they never tested me. And then they're and now I'm getting this diagnosis that I have COVID. And I would just like to point out that the availability of tests makes it very hard to a uh, confirm COVID, but also there have been issues with even just being able to um 
have the ingredients necessary to uh, get an accurate result or even get a result in the first place. And so there are some places where if the availability of tests is is low, they are looking at symptoms, right? Like, and it's not necessarily, they're not telling people that you've been, conf you know, it's been confirmed that you've had COVID by this test. It's usually just presumptive, right? Like we, you know, we looked at your, um, yeah. We looked at and your if it's symptoms. Presumptive, we can't. How are we going to count that when the final tallies all come up? Because a lot of people are being told, "Don't go out of your house if exactly. you exactly are not having. If you're not experiencing shortness of breath, um, and you don't need to go to the hospital, don't. Even if you may be positive, because you could risk exposing someone else to the virus. But then, you know, we lose some some data. So I think. When this is all said and done, whatever numbers we have are absolutely going to be an undercount. Oh, and absolutely. Even, you know, the decisions that need to be made by epidemiologists and, and policy people really um, are going to affect the final numbers as well. And there was just an article um, published yesterday in the Tampa Bay Times about how in Florida uh, we have two different counts, one by mm -hmm. the medical examiner's office and one by the Department of Health, and they're different by about 10%. The medical examiner's office, their number of confirmed cases and deaths is about 10% higher than the Department of Health because they are counting everyone that uh, died in Florida, whereas right. in Florida, they're only counting Florida residents. Right. And we have a lot of snowbirds and a lot of people who vacation here who are either stuck here or they normally spend the spring um, in Florida, but they may be a resident of New York State or Pennsylvania or Maine or even Canada. And so why aren't we counting them even though they spend a significant portion of their time in the state of Florida? And um, they were here when they passed, meaning that there probably was a period of time where they could have exposed other people. And it's important that we understand that so that we have a better idea of what the prevalence and infection rate might be in our local communities. One thing that we talked about uh, on, a, on a, a separate issue in our last episode was how this might affect um, the homeless or the incarcerated populations. Mm -hmm. And now, three weeks later, we can see that it's devastating, especially among people who are incarcerated. Rikers Island is just a petri dish right now. I know. And Cook County um, prison and jail uh, outside of Chicago, they are, their, their rates are skyrocketing. And you've yeah. got a lot of people, you can't social distance when you're in a prison. There's limited places for you to be. Um, you're exposed to a lot of, they can't clean everything right. prison right. several times a day. They're, they don't have the tools, nor do, do they have the staff. And I know your, your dad um, was a former prison guard. Mm -hmm. I, I would love to hear his perspective on this because so it's, there's a lot of different ways that we can address this and we're choosing to do almost none of them. So two things. So I was actually just, um, so today's actually my mom's birthday too, on top of oh. Easter. So I was like texting with my mom this morning and, um, 
you know, I was saying like, wow, you know, um, where they live, the county that they live in has 26 confirmed cases and there's been two deaths. And the prison that he used to work at, so separately, they have 47 cases and 12 of those cases have been guards. So, you know, my mom was saying, she's like, I'm so glad that your dad doesn't work there. I mean, because he's retired now. Um, but, you know, you're absolutely right. And they've had issues in the past before. Like he's talked about um, there was an outbreak of or there was an outbreak of tuberculosis. Uh, one of the uh, one of the inmates tested positive. They didn't actually let they didn't inform anyone. Um, there was a significant period of time where they didn't let anybody know that they had been potentially exposed to an inmate. And as you know, like if you've had, you know, um, it's very easy for something like tuberculosis to spread within a prison because of the same conditions, right? Like you have to basically be in close quarters for long periods of time. Um, you know, uh, cleaning procedures are difficult because, uh, I mean, these are yeah, where people are housed. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, I mean, and so that was really scary because, you know, in the time that my dad hadn't been informed that he had been exposed, he had come home, you know, spent time with his kids, his yeah. wife. And so he was extremely upset over that. And so, you know, there's a lot, I mean, you know, folks that are incarcerated, like that is an, that is a horrible, horrible environment, you know, for something like COVID on top of the fact that we just were in the middle of an, of a hepatitis A outbreak on top of that. So there's another comorbidity that might make people more susceptible to, uh, yeah. like severe, you know, um, the severe, and we, we could be utilizing all of these hotels that are empty now. Uh -huh. Um, we could be letting out low level offenders and nonviolent offenders to reduce the, the overpopulation of our prisons, um, and just treating people with respect and dignity because uh -huh. it doesn't matter whether or not you, I mean, if you've been given a, a one-year sentence or a five-year sentence or a 10-year sentence, that's not a death sentence. You, and, and it doesn't matter what people did. They're still humans and don't deserve to be treated in the way that we're treating them. Um, exactly. Not only the fact that it can spread outside of the prison through the guards and the staff who often don't have the um, the appropriate uh, PPE and and I just think of all of the people that are getting this and are going to get this who sh really shouldn't have. Exactly. That's I think as they didn't even I, have a choice. Right. And I think that's what's the most frustrating, uh, at least from a public health perspective, is seeing the unnecessary uh consequences that are just based on inequitable systems right like we have we have inequitable mass incarceration we have inequity in healthcare access we have inequity in you know how we housing. how we in housing absolutely um inequity in education i mean the fact that you know you have all these kids now that are at home um what if they don't have internet what if they you know are in a what if they're in a situation where they don't have up-to-date devices to be able to participate in classroom activities? What if, if they're, they're on an a Zoom call? Household. Exactly. What if there's 
there's it's so just many... revealing all of these existing problems that I think, rightly so, the public health community has been screaming about for years. Um, underfunding, understaffing, uh, all of this stuff. We are the Cassandras. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really frustrating. And, you know, just to, to be able to look at it and not do anything about it. I yeah. think it's being a psychological strain on a lot of public health professionals because we right. work in prevention. And um, when something like this is happening, there's not a lot we can do to prevent it. We can only try to mitigate it. Right. Well, and so I've had a couple people that have said to me, man, it must be like, you must be having the time of your life right now as a public health professional. And I, I'm like, I am not having the time of my life. In fact, I'm having the exact opposite. Whereas I feel like I, my anxiety just has never been higher. I've never felt more emotions all at the same time that I have not been able to mitigate in a way that um, I have had to before, um, you know, and on top of that, you know, just dealing with my own personal stuff, you know, fear of, you know, like, oh, man, like, what if one of us loses our job or, you know, th th all the other fears that pe other people are going through, like, you know, having that. And then on top of that, knowing every, you know, all of the you know, the gaps and challenges that the systems have, have created over time that have brought us to this place, you know, it's, it is devastating, to be and honest. I, I hope that it um, reveals and shines a light on the cruelty inherent in the system that Agreed. we have, especially at the very least, our healthcare system. Oh my gosh, right? Yes. If nothing else. I mean, yes, housing, job security, paid family leave, paid sick leave, ugh, right. all of those things. Unemployment, but, like, but Also, I mean, you should not have to pay for health care, especially during an emergency. But also, that means you're telling people, if if you were just saying, like, well, yes, the, the treatment for coronavirus should be free um, because it's, a, it's a, an emergency, you're basically telling everyone who who was diagnosed with with cancer and can't afford their treatments that they do not have an emergency. Right. Well, and that their yes. life is worthless. Right. And so I, I a friend of mine who also works in like healthcare policy and statistics, she she and I were talking the other day about how like this is an example of, you know, of of sort of systems theory and sort of like the difference between chaos and order, right? Like it feels like chaos right now, right? Because there's so much uncertainty, blah, blah, blah. But really, this is what it looks like to have order in a system in, in the sense that we're all experiencing the same thing at the same time, right? And so, for example, in the state of Florida, in order for you to get food stamps, you have to be actively looking for work, right? And well, if all the businesses are closed. Well, so that so that's the so that's so that right now is the is the situation, right? So they said, okay, well, we're going to suspend that requirement because obviously, like, we are facing mass unemployment and there are businesses closing, so it doesn't make sense to have that requirement right now. 
However, when people are experiencing that on a lower level, it's not that the 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 reason why they have to get food stamps hasn't changed, right? Like people experience being unemployed, mm-hmm. a business closing and them getting laid off, a major sickness in their family where they've had to quit their job and take care of that loved one. Those things have happened without a pandemic, but we still put that requirement on them because we have this false stigma around yep. people who are un, unemployed. But now yep. that we have a mass pandemic where we have all of these people that are experiencing this, now all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, you know, you can like- have little of humanity as a trait. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> so I really hope that people think about the pandemic in that term, or in those terms, right? Like, it's not that these situations haven't happened and, and before, right? It's just happened on a lower level individually to different people, right? But now that we're experiencing it on a mass level, now it's like, oh, well, then maybe we shouldn't have these requirements that really are just based on these horrible negative assumptions that we have of people who are working class or poor, right? Like and, punishing and, people yeah. for being poor isn't working when there are more people who are poor. And but the reasons really haven't changed. It's just now there's more people experiencing it. Yeah. So exactly. I was like, that's a really I think that's a good way to sort of like explain why we should reconsider how we we should reconsider healthcare access because of this, right? Like people people lose their health insurance for different reasons. It's not, you know, it's not that one day they're like, you know what, I feel like being unemployed and not being on health, you know, having health insurance. Right. Or this myth that people try to grift on the unemployment system and and get money from it so that they can avoid working. No. You know who grifts? People who are trying to peddle uh, fake cures for diseases. And guess what? Yep. That was still happening even before the pandemic. I'm really it, worried. It's been happening for a long time. Yeah, I'm really worried, um, just in general, because that's who I am. But specifically, (laughs) yeah, about six months from now, eight months from now, I'm I'm really worried that the people in power are going to say, don't worry about that, forget about that. That was just a a blip. That was an aberration. Let's go back to normal Mm. and and not realize that normal was bad. Yeah, normal wasn't working. Um, yeah, and I, I have a feeling like that's going to be what, what we talk about is that we're going to have to be pushing back against, um, there was nothing we could have done to prevent this or make this less bad. And we just need to forget about it and move on because we need to use this as an opportunity to learn and fund public health measures, prevention measures, um, you know, we're going to need so many people to work on contact tracing and all this stuff just to clean up this particular outbreak. But how are we going to prevent situations like this from happening in the future? Right. Uh, and I and I have a feeling like because it's not going to work into the into the interests of health insurance companies and and people in power to to try and protect um, the public that it's just going to be swept under the rug. Oh, you mean like putting on commercials that are thanking essential workers for 
Take that money you spend on the commercials and pay your workers more. I know, right? Or give them benefits. Get, you know. At least hazard pay. Jeez. Like the, I know. I mean, no, I, I, I fear the same thing because I think the collective body, we all have short term memory loss. And, you know, I think most people, especially, you know, those of us that work in public health or work in emergency management um, or who are environmental scientists, this is not this is not the last time we're going to have a pandemic, first of all, because, I mean, with the Arctic ice melting and the tundra, you know, unfreezing, we're going to see viruses. And that's not not just from climate change, but just in general. I mean, we've been sort of skidding by for the last couple decades. This isn't the last we're going to see at all. And, you know, especially with climate change. Oh, it's going to get much worse. I mean, we're already seeing... This is a test run. Oh, 100%. Yeah, this is a test run, and we're not doing great, we're y'all. We're not doing... We're not This passing. is... Yeah. The best thing we can do right now is, like you said, use this as a learning opportunity to be like, well, uh, yeah, normal wasn't Whoopsies. working. So we clearly need to rethink our game when it comes to, you know, protecting people and, you know, future-proofing um, our public health and social welfare systems, because, yeah, uh, mass unemployment, d- it doesn't really help when uh, health insurance is uh, connected. Tied. Tied yeah, mm, yeah, that doesn't really work when you have mass unemployment. Um, but, you know, I, um, I don't know, you know, this has been such a surreal experience. Um, a lot of people have been asking me, like, well, you know, when do you think that they'll open the country back up again? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't Honestly, know. It's not going. And what's going to happen? What is it going to look like when it is reopened? I know, and it, I I think it's going to have to happen in stages. I think that I my worry... once we're finished rolling around in our big old pile of coins from our twelve hundred dollar. I know. I know. Check. I yeah, when we're I, I saw like Scrooge a, McDuck a list, just diving into our pool of gold I saw coins. a list of what other countries are doing. And like Canada, um, you apply for your your payment online and within three days it's direct deposited. Yeah. Why can't we and do that? There are other countries where it's like a thousand dollars monthly. Yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah, yes, this is what we should be doing. But this little twelve hundred dollar—it's just like spitting into the ocean. Basically, yeah. I mean, because There's if you nothing. think about like, cool, like for some folks, depending on where you live, that's one month of rent oh, and that month, just that's rent, already paid. just rent, already yeah, paid. yeah, yeah. Not anything else. It's a—it's honestly a disgrace. It is a disgrace. And, and I hope that people remember who even said that that was too much money. Oh, you mean the additional $600 a month that they, you know, it's way too much to give people for unemployment. Yeah. It's way too much. People are just going to, we're going to see so many people grift in that extra $600. No, you know what is, you know, what is uh, criminal and, and should be prosecuted is the people, uh, those, those senators who found out about this impending crisis in January sold off a bunch of stock in order to cash in right before the stock market crashed in order to to make a buck before can't. before other people had that that knowledge. I just can't even. It's like 
that sh- that on a normal year would be huge news but because it's this year it was just like one day people talked about it and then moved on yeah like, i yeah they should be run out of town on a rail and not just get to continue doing their jobs yeah but you know like in a year where it is you know a dumpster fire of dumpster fires on top of a burning barge of garbage Mm -hmm. in an ocean of oil and and just more fire yeah i mean that's just like a little coal you know yeah it was Mm -hmm. so crazy it's so crazy i know (laughs) you know i i like the visuals um but you know what quinn i i you know despite all of this like negative stuff i still have a lot of hope that you know just of course, all of this is anecdotal, but I, I've been hearing more people, you know, getting interested in how can I help? You know, how can I, you know, um, positively contribute to helping my community? And, you know, that makes me hopeful. More people are, you know, the folks that are like, oh, I'm not political. Like, I I see them posting things now that are political in nature. And I'm like, yeah, when there's something that affects all of us, you kind of have to take a step back and say, wow, yeah, this is a political issue. Um, and, you know, it's just I, sad that it took something that had to personally affect them for them to care. Sure. To be fair, it took a pandemic for us to start recording again. So that's true. Although you Look, didn't have I had a, baby. a little baby. I know you had a little baby. That's true. Yeah, that is true. Speaking uh, of, of that, um, yeah, what are some she? things that are. Oh, she's good. She's great. Um, yeah, she's she's super fun and so keeping cool. me distracted during all of this. She keeps but, me distracted from afar. So, uh, what what things have you been enjoying, reading, watching, doing? And and if it's just lounging around and petting your cats, that's cool too. Because we need to take our pressure off of people to find you know write the next great American novel. Yeah, uh, you're just kind of vegging and you trying have to, to be productive engage in right self-care. Now. That's great too. Exactly. Take care of yourself. Um so I have picked back up Bazaar of Bad Dreams by Stephen oh, King. I haven't read that one. Um I I had it on Kindle and I started reading it and then I think like I started, you know, you know how it goes. You start reading something else and um but it's just a collection of short stories. It's very good. It's very good though. Um, there's a lot of references to other things. Um, and speaking of Stephen King, James and I have been watching The Outsider on HBO, which is very, very good. Um, I just I, read the book. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. This the HBO series is very good. I haven't, re- I have not read the book, but um, I'm also a big Jason Bateman fan, so yeah, um, he is fantastic in it, and he also produces. So, um, so we've been enjoying that. I've, I don't know if this is just like, I don't know, um, like masochistic, but I have been rewatching Veep. <laughs> so oh, it's gosh. like, here, let me, let, let's watch incompetent government happen both in real, in the real world and on TV. So that's been, that's been great. But I've actually been drawing again. Like, I think I mentioned this on, on the last episode. I've been drawing again. Um, I've been writing, which has been really fun. And that's really what I've been enjoying as of right now. What about you? 
Uh, so I haven't really been reading as much as I would like or, or I should, but okay, no, positive language. I've been using my time in other ways. Yes. We finished a puzzle Ooh. and I've been going for a walk every day. I've nice. been catching up on on podcasts and I um I've been doing a lot of cooking. Me too. I, I did nice, uh, right? I did bake some bread. Yes, and it looked amazing. Thank you. This morning I made crepes. <gasps> oh. They were they were really good. Um so I've been doing that and I decided to to jump into Star Trek. <gasps> That is so funny because we actually just started watching Star Trek, too. So I've never seen a single episode of any of the different series. I've always been, like, really intimidated by it because there's, there's, you know, so many episodes and so many different runs of the show and there's movies. And it's just like, where do I even jump in? Do I have to go all the way back to 1966 when the first episode started? Right. Or can I pick it up with? with Patrick Stewart and the next generation. And I found a couple of really helpful posts and I'll, I'll send you this. Um, it was a wiki about, uh, like good entry points mm -hmm. for the star Trek world, um, specifically related to the next generation and deep space nine. And okay. they're a list of all the episodes and they've categorized them as, um, essential, uh, fun to watch and, don't bother basically okay. so like ones that are really fun and engaging ones that are essential for like some kind of main story plot and others that are just kind of like you can skip this one um so i started watching the next generation because i wanted to see patrick stewart and lavar burton and yes. like that early 90s aesthetic is just like mm, chef's kiss i know so right good. That's so um, funny because we just started watching it too because it's on it's Netflix, a little, right? Yeah, it is on Netflix. It's a little slow, but that's the way TV was 20 plus years ago. And uh, the dialogue is kind of cheesy, but I like yes. it. It is funny in, in, in different ways. I was worried that it would be like too dialogue driven and too self-referential and that I wouldn't understand who is this alien race or who is this person and what is Starfleet and who, but I think it did a good job of kind of um, taking me in where I was. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to becoming a Trekkie. Ooh, one more thing to add to your, like, you, you know, one more up, nerd Scotty. badge. I know <laughs> I watched. Yeah. I watched a couple episodes um, with the baby. So the real she was, question the real question is, is have you watched Battlestar Galactica yet? No, not yet. We, we've that. watched the entire series and it's very good. <laughs> but I figured since like I love Lord of the Rings, I love yeah. Star Wars, you know, I'm I'm down with that nerd shit. But I've that's just one that I've never gotten into. Yeah, same. Yeah. Well, that's great. Look at, you know, yeah, you got to up that nerd cred, you know, I got to you got to. Now I'm kind of like, oh, that's who, you know, that's what that is. That's as I'm kind of seeing certain things and hearing different ways things are described, like space, the final frontier. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, that's, um, yeah, so that's fun. Awesome. Well, um, this has been great. I'm really glad that we're recording again. 
Yeah, um, glad we were able to figure out how to do it remotely. So now we can do this um, more often. Why don't we do another check-in soon so that we yeah. can, at least yeah. for historical purposes. <laughs> I have actually been considering, um, right, like uh, doing, I don't know, I feel like we should be documenting, like doing yeah, a diary of some kind, you just know? Just doing a walk, because I've been going for a lot of walks in the neighborhood, and and sometimes I'll walk down Central Avenue and kind of look at all of the different um, mass produced via the sheriff's office or handwritten signs on businesses where they've changed their hours or they're totally closed or they're takeout only. Um, and I'm just like really interested to see how they've, you know, written up these signs. And I'm imagining like maybe one day I'll get, I'll bring my camera out with me and I'll take pictures of those signs because it's kind of, kind of fun. And I'll be able to say like, oh yeah, this place was takeout only. And isn't that weird? Yeah. Like you can go to this place and get a, <laughs> a to-go beer, which is fun. Right? Which we've been doing some time. We'll walk over to the, um, to our neighborhood restaurant and get a beer to go. And they serve it to you in a little mason jar That's with a so lid. Cool. And then you can, you can clean it and actually get it refilled the next time oh that's so awesome yeah we actually just got to go margaritas which was yeah. amazing highly recommend yeah so somebody should do a dissertation on uh, the increase of alcoholism during covid19 oh boy i bet that's kind of grim it is probably very grim maybe just alcohol sales maybe yeah keep it light keep it light um well, I just want to thank our audience for continuing to tune in. Um, you can find us at www.viral-pod.com. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast. I know there's been some issues We're lately. On we are on Twitter. Um, and we are also on Facebook. There has been some issues lately with... Um, our our last episode being updated and I have taken care of that problem. But if you are still having issues, please, please let me know. Um, but anyway, please feel free to contact us. You can do that on our website. Um, and our music is done by the quick and easy boys. Take your medicine. Take your medicine. Yeah. Good. And as always, what do we say? Oh, everyone, please, please wash your hands. We've been saying this but since before. We have been cool. saying it before. Yeah, that's that's right. The OG sort of stuff. Yeah. So so anyway, wash your hands. Okay. Please wash them. <laughs>